On July 12, 1979, at Kaminsky Park in the city of Chicago, an attendance of over 50,000 people had gathered to watch local radio DJ Steve Dahl host a disco demolition night. In between a baseball doubleheader featuring the Chicago White Sox and the Detroit Tigers. Dahl had campaigned for nearly a year that disco needed to be eliminated forever. He characterized the men who enjoyed disco to be effeminate homosexuals. The White Sox expected a crowd of 20,000 people, but nearly 80,000 people attempted to get in. White Sox owner Bill Vec feared that things were going to get out of control as the thousands of people trying to get into Kaminsky Park carried signs that slammed disco in racist and homophobic terms. During the first game, security had to leave the field to try and protect, prevent thousands of disco haters from breaking into the stadium. Without security, attendees started throwing disco records onto the field during the game. Other disco records were collected earlier into a large box that was 4 feet by 6 feet by 5 feet. It had quickly reached capacity. Outside the stadium, police had to be called in because the people outside started burning records and bonfires in the parking lot. After the first baseball game had ended, Dahl went onto the field dressed in army fatigues and had the crate of disco records brought out to the outfield. He then lit the fuse for the explosives attached to the crate and it exploded bigger than expected. The explosion destroyed a portion of the outfield. Approximately 10,000 attendees stormed the field in a frenzy of violence. They destroyed the dugouts, ripped down the foul line poles, Jesus. And, attached the, and attacked the baseball players. It was a scene described as being reminiscent of a Nazi book-burning rally. Steve Dahl announced on his radio show the next day that Disco was finally dead. But he was wrong, because in September of 1979, Rudy, Rudy Ray Moore released his most ambitious feature film. It has had many names over the years, but tonight we'll call it Disco Godfather. There's a movie you never seen The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine There'll be smiles There'll be tears You won't watch a movie for about Eight billion years It's time for death By video Time for death By video And now The show will begin It's Death by Video! I'm Phil I'm Kit I'm Lil. And I'm still Graham. Welcome back to another episode of Fun-Filled Cinema Shenanigans. So guys, how are we feeling? It's been... Lillian, this is your first time back in a few months because we took our break. Didn't we all take a break? We did. We did a, a bonus episode We did a bonus episode, episode last away. week, yeah. And we missed you, Lillian. Oh, okay. Aw, yeah. that's nice. It no, a, it was a terrible movie. It was a terrible <laughs> you, you movie. There's nothing good to be said about it. Why? What no, was it? No, it was a blessing in disguise, Lillian. Yeah? It's called Zombies the Beginning. It's quite bad. It should have been called Zombies the Ending. I like that joke. <laughs> all right, guys, before I start talking about the movie, um, what have we all, have we watched anything interesting since we last recorded? Anyone? Uh, not really, because it's only been like a week and it's been a yeah. slow week. Um, a really good rewatch on uh, Mother's Day pregame. I uh, rewatched uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin. Oh, nice. How does that. Uh... I mean, I've seen it once, and I felt like maybe that's enough. But how does it uh, feel on the rewatch? I liked it a lot better on rewatch. I it makes excellent use of nonlinear structure uh, visually. Like the sound design's phenomenal in that movie. Lynn Ramsey's always really good with sound design. Like Mormon Cowers a really good example of a movie with incredible sound design. But um, this is as well. It's impeccably edited, and 
I remember it being a great looking film. Just the cinematography and things were uh, top Is this notch. the one with Tilda Swinton? Swinton, yeah. And she's like, ball, 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 ball. John C. Riley, yeah. I, I've never read the book. Did you read the book? No, I never read the book. I, I've, I've been curious about, yeah. yeah. Hmm. It's interesting from what I've heard about the book is that uh, Eva is an unreliable narrator. Yeah, it's all, if the book is, from what I've told from my colleague, it's all letters and you don't know who she's writing letters to and then it's revealed that she's writing letters to her dead husband um, at the end of the book. Um, hmm. I don't remember the movie following that format exactly. I think no. she's mostly talking to her son who's in prison. Yeah, it, it's like, no, it, it's... It switches to like flashback and uh, present day, so it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much like that whole like hindsight is twenty twenty. Interesting nonlinear juxtaposition. I really they, wish they should have talked about Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but I really wish there was a sequel because the title is right there. We still need to talk about Kevin. There probably is. Kevin's back. There probably is. If Kit, you say that in the book there was a different ending and maybe it's still well, I don't going. know if it's a different ending. It's just a different way of telling the story it's all done mm-hmm. through letters in the book whereas the movie they don't use that kind of like the original Bram Sto- the yeah. original Dracula novel and how it wasn't until Francis Ford Coppola did it that they incorporated the letters as a because if you ever yes. read the original Dracula novel it's all letters it's not actually a narrative Bram so Sto- what is Kevin's glitch uh, I he, started that movie but I didn't finish he's, he's, it he's a, he's a psychopath he's just mm. he's like yeah, it, it's a very disturbing movie but uh, mm, interesting um, but yeah Bram Stoker's Dracula oddly enough that's the first rated R film I ever saw in the theaters. Oh, wow. I saw it uh, when I was, me and my friend, uh, it was rated R, of course, it was an adult company. Mm-hmm. If, if you're under 17, you needed an adult, yeah. so we went with my dad, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, it was wild. Wild times. Good old young Piano Reeves. And a young Monica Bellucci. Funny thing, a bit, funny bit of trivia, which you probably know, uh, Keanu and Winona were married in that movie, and it's believed that they might have been accidentally married R.I.L. I know. I know, I know. I, but isn't that, though, wouldn't that just fall apart, though? Like, oh, we were reading lines from a script. We didn't actually have agency here. Well, yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Is that, like, if you're <laughs> like, married under false pretenses, right? it's, like, it's like if someone goes to Las Vegas and this is a joke wedding. It's like, no, it's not. It would it would never hold up because one person didn't wasn't aware they were being married. Another notable rewatch uh, was uh, Cruising, the nice. problematic uh Classic mm-hmm. from William Friedkin, but still a great movie. What, another bit of detail I didn't pay attention to when I first saw it is that the killer or killers are played by multiple different actors. Yeah. See, All of whom sort of look like Lou Reed. I thought that the whole thing of that movie was that it was secretly, um, secretly uh, supernatural and that the killer is hopping from body to body. Oh, I like that theory. Yeah. That old, uh, oh, sh- oh, I was it's, hidden. It's, or I was going to say Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Death no, by no, Video no, Classic. No. Oh, Jason I was thinking uh, the, uh, the Denzel Washington, John Goodman uh, movie. Oh, Fallen, I yeah, think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anything else, Phil? Uh, that's it. Cool. Kit, what have you seen since we last recorded? Anything interesting? Uh, you know what? I haven't actually seen anything interesting, but I'm going to take my opportunity to uh, to give us a few RIPs out to some uh, some people. That, okay. Um, we got uh, Karl Lagerfeld, obviously, the king. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm yeah. not too concerned about him. Um, we've got uh, John Singleton passed away. Yeah. Director of Boys in the Hood. Did Boys he do hood? Menace to Society? No. No, no, that's, no, the, that's Hughes, the Hughes brothers. Yeah. The Hughes brothers yeah. I was a big fan of Menace to Society. Who also Boys, did From Hell, yeah, Boys which we the, were talking about earlier. Yeah, not on the podcast, though. No, 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 that's true. Mm-hmm. Not such a good movie. Uh, I remember liking it at the time, but is it not good? I don't know. No, it's I, very I, not good. 
Especially if you, <laughs> especially especially if you were like me and a seventeen year old that read the source material. This yeah, thousand it was page based on a graphic novel. novel. Yeah. I didn't realize that at the time. Yeah, a very like a historical, like densely researched graphic novel. And they they messed it up, eh? Very much so. A lot of which has been debunked by uh, the Jack the Ripper obsessives. Oh, but, totally. But it yeah. was the popular theory at the time of the movie or the novel. The novel of Jack from Hell. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was the whole thing. Is that they? Um, I mean, it's historical fiction. What can yeah. you do? Uh, and uh, anyway, uh, veteran character actor Seymour Cassell died. R.I.P. We've, we've all loved his Big work fan of in, him uh, in Wes Anderson's like, uh, well, well mm-hmm. um, everything. Yeah, I think he's in all the uh, Wes Anderson films and lots of Cassavetes. I was going to say, I definitely him from, Rushmore, um, but yeah, Cassavetes as well. He was in Faces, right? Yep. Yeah, uh, he was uh, Minion Moskowitz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and uh, then finally, uh, Larry Cohen. We, yeah. we were just watching some Larry Cohen yeah. before we, uh, Larry we started. Cohen. So R.I.P. Larry Cohen. Yeah. I never never got a chance to watch really any of his films, I think. Well, he had a hand in writing Maniac Cop. Like, he ah, okay. he did the... I think he did, like, kind of came up with the concept and the loose plot of it. And then then um, Bill oh God, Bill Lustig, like, fleshed it out and finished it. And well, we have to do some Larry Cohen on the pod. Huh? We should. We should yeah. do Queen, Cue the Winged Serpent. Um, maybe Black Caesar. Okay. He's done a lot of stuff. The stuff. Uh, God told me to. Oh, God yeah. told me to. Yeah. I prefer calling it God told me to kill. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the first It's Alive is great. Yeah. Uh, I'm blanking on some other gems. He's it. done a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, his film Ambulance is awesome. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch that one. Where the main character... Uh, God, why am I blanking on the actor's name? He's that actor that like is good every once in a while, but he mostly does crap. He was in The Dark Knight. He was in, I think... Not King of Marvin Gardens, but Pope of Greenwich Village. He, uh, Eric, Eric Roberts, Roberts, yes, yeah. Eric Roberts. He's the lead in it, and he actually like his character works for Marvel Comics as an illustrator, and they actually show him working at Marvel Comics. And Stan Lee's in the movie as a character as Stan Lee, being like, "You gotta get your your act together, man. You're falling behind on your artwork." Mm-hmm. That's a oh, bad another Stan really Lee. good uh, shout out to Larry Cohen movie is uh, Bone with Yafikoto. Yes, Bone. Mm-hmm. Bone. Yep. Anyway, that's that's all I got. That's I've just been IPs. watching um, Netflix shows and crap. Yeah, yeah, so you gotta get off that diet of it's the Netflix is the McDonald's of of film. They got like you know you go to watch a movie and you're like oh I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna watch this and you're like oh they got this new half hour show I'm just gonna yeah watch it's that a, a half hour crap yeah. I tried watching Black Summer and it didn't take. Lillian, what have you watched since we last recorded on February twenty third, two thousand and nineteen? <laughs> Jesus, was that the date? Yeah. Oh, man, alive. Um. Was it really? Actually, you weren't on that episode because you you were on. That was the Oscars episode. We're back in January. Maybe I'm not even here right now. It's just like movie trivia. That would have been Monster Dog. That hasn't gone up yet. Yeah, that was the last one that Lillian and, or sorry, Bruce Lee, but we haven't, those haven't been uploaded yet. So no. Uh, Yeah. Well, they will be by the time our listeners are listening to our warm voices. Again. Our warm dulcet tones. Uh, I don't know. A bunch of stuff. What have you been up to, Graham? What Anything stand out amongst your bunch of stuff? No, pretty much like pretty much like Kit. You know, you pop on the Netflix sometimes. I watched the Ted Bundy flick. Extremely, was that good? Zach Zach off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wicked and dangerous, or something. and incredibly oh, close. <laughs> yeah. Um, Zach Efron just fucking nailed it, right? Like he nailed it. F bombs right away. Huh? It's it's Lillian. You you know you know. Oh. 
Sorry, I didn't even notice. <laughs> but um, and the girl in it was really good too, who played uh, his almost wife or practically wife. What, what I've heard, Lillian, is, is some critics are like, it's the tone is too weird for a movie that's about a terrible psychopath. Did you find well, that the tone it, was odd? I found odd? it was from an angle like you could really see, um, you could really see uh, him wanting to do anything possible to convince her that he's not guilty of these things. Like that was really clear. That really came across and. And and it did dart like back from present to past, and, and and that's the only way to really tell the story and see how it was being received at the time, and and yeah, and I watched the the Ted Bundy confession tapes thing on Netflix too. Same they director. put that on. Yeah, they yeah, put well, direct, same. I director. heard that was a rough, uh, rough viewing. I heard that was a bit much. That was more like clips and you know live his interviews courtrooms and yeah stuff like that and um that was more after watching that you can see and i already kind of i mean i already pretty much knew because i was reading you know all that stuff and um i pretty much know the whole story but that one you could really see what a circus whole the whole thing was the whole like you know after they captured him him escaping like just one thing after another it was like a fucking circus the 70s were a wild time it was the the, and you got to see how you know it was being received too but from a different angle like from just purely facts you know and then the movie um gave another um Perspective. perspective is it long how long is it uh, normal size. Yeah, normal size, did, hour 90. and forty. It didn't feel fun size. Fun, fun size. size yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two hours, I so think, would be a mu- bit Eddie. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The interesting thing about that film is that it was the script where it was on the blacklist for a few years, and it sold quickly because the script. It, it there's something that you encounter when you work in film is that sometimes scripts are too clever for their own good, and they work really well as a script but not as a movie. That script, you never. It was not revealed that it was Ted Bundy until the last third of the script in the original script that that's based on. It would just of be course, a Ted or something. Yeah, or, um, just some yeah. guy when you, oh, I can't believe this guy's being like, you know, ha- like set up this way. Like, he's a, you know, he's know, such yeah. a nice guy, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, when they go to actually make the movie, like you cannot hide Zac Efron as Ted Bundy, like the worst serial killer of the 20th century. Actually, no, that yeah, guy in Russia was. It was him pretty much saying, convincing her that this is some sort of joke on him. There's some conspiracy, like without going all like crazy, yeah. right? But... Yeah, it'd be like marketing usual suspects mm-hmm. as like, and featuring Kevin Spacey as Kaiser Soze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's the twist he, wouldn't he work. Did a, no. He did an excellent job. He really did. Like, he f- even freaking looked like him half the time. You know? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm coming around on Zac Efron. I really enjoyed him in the Neighbors films. and He killed him in Beach Bum. I have still haven't seen Beach Bum. He's good in The Disaster Artist, too, his little cameo there. That's true. I really... Okay, so... Chris R. Yeah, that's Chris right. R. So here's the funniest thing. I really... I, know, I saw the Neighbors movie. I'm like, whatever. It I wasn't haven't seen best. either of them. It wasn't his best at all. I bizarrely... So I, I for some reason, watched the Baywatch movie. Oh my he God. was the best part of the Baywatch movie because the entire time he's like pointing out like, guys, we're not cops. Why are we investigating a homicide? <laughs> That's awesome. Because like every all the all the lifeguards are like, all right, we gotta crack bust this big drug case. And he's like, I'm here because I'm good at swimming. Like, <laughs> why why are we investigating I'm this? I'm here for four hours a day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I found a job where I get to wear swim trunks all day long. Um, um, cool. So I guess we'll move on to what I've seen. Um, I always, I'm, I'm going to chop mine down to just three that I want to talk about here. Um, I saw some, three documentaries at the Hot Docs Film Festival, which is going on this week in Toronto. 
Um, all three docs are really good. I'll, I'll read out their titles quickly. I watched Stig Larsson, The Man Who Played With Fire, Recorder, The Marion Stokes Project, and Midnight Family. I'm going to talk about, even though I like Recorder uh, and Midnight Family quite a bit, I'm going to talk about the Stig Larsson documentary because it's about the guy that wrote the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo trilogy. And I thought, like, oh, it's going to be about him. But it turns out he was only an author for, like, the last three years of his life. Mm-hmm. And for the 30 years preceding that, he was a reporter investigating the rise of white supremacists in Europe. And it's terrifying and amazing because the movie, you re- what the director of the film did, which I really, really appreciate, was he used the bait to get people to see this movie was Stieg Larsson, girl who played of course, with, yeah. the, the girl with the dragon tattoo. And everybody in this theater was like there because they were big dragon tattoo fans. And then the real movie was just actually charting the rise of white supremacy and neo-Nazism in Europe. And it was very terrifying because you see them doing their marches and stuff in like the 70s and 80s and 90s, and it kind of looks like what's going on now in, in North America with the Yellow Vest Movement and the Charlottesville uh, rally that happened. So it was very, ter- it was very depressing, very upsetting. Um, luckily, it wasn't the neo-Nazis that got Stieg Larsson, even though like they threatened his life repeatedly, and he had to like start carrying around a baseball bat with them. Um, and yeah, it's just a sad state of affairs. I would have expected that in a documentary about Steve Larson because neo Nazis figure in his books. Yeah. But the thing is, the people read the books and just that's that's their thing. They're like, oh, I, I love these novels. They're so good. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like I, I doubt that the people who read the Da Vinci Code are going to read the the book that the author ripped off that did all sure, that. Sure, yeah, Holy Cre- Blood, Holy Grail. Exactly, yeah that 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 book. But of that research. book was huge in the eighties, though. Yeah, exactly. It's not huge anymore. It's not huge anymore, but also. It's like, I don't think it inspired like people to go on code no, breakers sure, tours yeah. of Paris or something. Um, so the next one that I want to talk about is the one I saw at the Carlton Cinema this week, Under the Silver Lake, uh, from the director of It Follows, Robert something. I, I can't remember. I can't remember his name unfortunately. Uh, let me look it up quickly. But it stars Andrew Garfield, Ricky Lindholm's in it as well, and so is Zosha Mamet and um, Riley Ko. I think I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. Lisa Marie Presley's daughter. Exactly. Yeah, the granddaughter of Elvis Presley. She's um, also in American Honey and uh, Logan yeah. Lucky. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, Steven Soderbergh stuff. Uh, it, is there Lucky a, good? I, I liked it. I enjoyed no, it. I didn't like it. Phil no. didn't like it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. At the end when... I don't I don't want to ruin it, but the song... Um, uh, God, what's the name? I the John Denver the song. The John Denver song about, about mountains. Um, almost heaven, West Virginia... Country, country Roads, that's the name of the song. Oh, yeah. Sorry, country to, Roads, coming home. I had to come out uh, of a little song. David Robert Mitchell is the director. So this movie's distribution is hor- was horribly screwed up. So it premiered at Cannes last year in 2018. It received a wide release in theaters in France and Germany in 2018, in the summer of it. And then didn't get released here for a long time. And it was only like within the last month. It opened up in L.A. and Toronto, and I believe maybe New York as well. It's also on VOD. It's quietly been released to Amazon Prime. But I recommend going to see this in the theater because you don't want to see this where you're constantly checking your phone. You want to be have full attention. It's strange and weird and pervy. But you realize <laughs> that it's not the movie that's pervy. It's the main character. And you're kind of like, really, dude? Like, you're trying to track down this girl that you think is either dead, like, that you know is dead or is missing. And you can't, you stop and stare at a girl's butt. Like... Come on. Uh, it's It was really strange. I really, really enjoyed it. The more I think about it, the more I like this film. It's a nice butt. I, I really hey, like the movie. Gotta, <laughs> a guy's got to eat. <laughs> it's a feast for the eyes. Um, 
but yeah, it was really great to see Ricky Lindholm in a movie. Uh, it's Andrew Garfield like was playing like a very just like a, a dumb moron who's only gotten by and left because he looks like Andrew Garfield. And it's also another it's another great L.A. movie. Like I really it just like showed him like walking around his like neighborhood and going to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery and Griffith Observatory. I'm really liking films that, that are set in L.A. that that are that are shot in L.A. that are also set. In you LA. need to watch Los Angeles plays itself. I know. I know. I know. Um, and the final film I'm going to talk about is one that was shot right here in Toronto, directed by Ed Hunt, who came here with the aspiration to become the Canadian Roger Corman. Despite the fact he was from the States, he was much like Bob Clark, a like a, a guy who came here to exploit our um, our tax shelters for films. It was called, or at least the print I saw was called Pleasure Palace. And the original title was Corrupted. A lot of it's set on Young Street in 1970, so it's the dirty, sleazy Young Street. We see a very early Honest Eds. We see the Rio Theater. We see Zanzibar. We see um, a lot of paradise. Huh? Paradise. Paradise no, is my paradise. neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, Bloran. No, they don't. They don't go west. Well, he's going into honest Dead. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, send the record man. And he also goes Zanzibar to Zanzibar lives. And they also go to uh, to the Danforth as well, which is very bizarre. And you're like, wow, like I know where this is. And then they're also at the observation deck of the TD Tower because the CN Tower wasn't built yet. And they also shoot a little bit of it at Pearson Airport in the 1970. Wild. Which I have no idea how they did it. This movie is also very pervy. It's about a guy who um, goes to the Pleasure Palace, which is this photo studio where you pay a model to undress and you take photos of them. And most people don't take don't take the film with them. It's just about the experience. And this guy kind of like falls for one of the people there, and she's like dating the guy that owns the place. And they try to like do this whole conspiracy, of like trying to somehow fleece the guy for money because his wife won't give him a divorce because he can't divorce his wife because she'll take half of everything she had he has. And then there's some moral majority guy, but it's a very cheap, sleazy early Toronto movie. I re- I I don't want to say enjoyed it. But it was just a trip to see it. No, also, for sure. I also saw it in sixteen millimeter, so it was How projected. How was the print? Uh, it was red. It was it was figured, it was yeah. it was faded and a little. It wasn't the reddest print I've ever seen. Although at one point, they put a so in it during one of the photo shoots, the woman puts a red filter in front of the light, and so it just goes neon red, and you're just like, I can't see anything. I think <laughs> someone's taking a photo of someone. I don't know. Um, they also do kind of a, a spoof of city TV. Or, or it might have been pre-City TV. Maybe it was like um, TVO or CBC or CFTO or something. But it's like this... <laughs> the way they shot it... CFTO. Yeah, I know. I yeah. Um, <laughs> CFTO is still on the air. That's uh, CTV. Um, but yeah, it, it was very, very interesting. And also, Are there any Zneimer composites? Maybe, but not really. Okay. I think it was still a little bit early. But yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a fun watch, I got to say. Especially seeing it at the at the Toronto's Trash Palace Cinema. Oh, sure. A secret cinema in town. Um, so, yeah, so that's the interesting things I've watched. I'll um, talk a little bit about the movie we're going to see. Uh, it stars Rudy Ray Moore. Uh, was not written by him, though, unlike Dolomite. And it uh, tells the story of he plays the disco godfather, who is a former cop who, is reti- who retired from the police force to run a disco, but now that Angel Dust has infected his neighborhood... He goes to the police and tells them, hey, I'm investigating this on my own. And they're like, cool, let us know what you, what you find. As, as cops would do. Exactly. Else gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, I think the cops give a crap, but um, but it's just, you know, he he's just the disco godfather, man. Yeah, cool, man. Um, okay, so let me look at my notes. So notes on disco godfather. Rudy Ray Moore started performing at an early age as a singer, dancer, and comedian. 
While drafted into the army, he served in the entertainment unit in Germany, where he became known for performing country songs in an R&B style. Um, after being discharged from the army, he settled in Los Angeles, where he started releasing comedy albums in the late 1950s. These didn't gain much success, and it wasn't until around 1970 when he heard stories of a mysterious person named Dolomite uh, that he started to create the character, a character based on Dolomite, and developed it into a club act, which he then parlayed into several comedy albums with an R- with R&B music playing behind while he told raunchy comedy bits over top of it. He released the albums Eat Out More Often, The Dirty Dozens, and the unfortunately named This Pussy Belongs to Me. (laughs) Using money he made from these albums, he financed his first feature film, Dolomite, in 1975, which is, of course, the Black Spoilation Spoilation classic. I don't know why I keep wanting to say Black Spoilation. Um, Which told the story of Dolomite, a heroic pimp who leads a group of black belt prostitutes in an attempt to stop the flow of guns into into the poor black community. Um, it was a hit with urban audiences, and he quickly followed it up with the films The Human Tornado, The Monkey Hustle, and Petey Wheatstraw. Um, and the film that we are here to watch tonight, Disco Godfather. Um, Rudy Ray Moore's goals with Disco Godfather were twofold. He first wanted to cash in on the disco craze that had become, begun in 1977 with the release of Saturday Night Fever. In fact, the soundtrack for Saturday Night Fever makes a cameo in this film. Um, and he also wanted to raise awareness about the dangerous drugs in poor, poor black communities. Um, the film was co-written by Cliff uh, Rakumore, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, who had previously collaborated with Moore on The Human Tornado and P.D. Wheatstra, both of which um, Cliff had directed, but in this case he just wrote Disco Godfather. Um, this film is the only directing credit of J. Robert Wagnor, who had previously been the cinematographer on the documentaries Black Roots and Black Fantasy, which were released in 1970 and 1972 respectively. Disco Godfather is also the debut of actor Keith David, who we all know from... They Live. They Live, Gargoyles the Cartoon, Spawn the Cartoon, Cartoon, The Thing, Armageddon. Gargoyles the Cartoon. Oh my god. He was the voice of Goliath. Still holds up. It still holds up. It's pretty good. That's the X-Men theme song. (laughs) I can't remember. It was like that ish. Yeah, that's where I first learned about the uh, Dark Phoenix saga, which they are yeah, releasing they, as a film sometime this year. They did that whole thing. Apparently, the, the movie that's coming out has been a poop show the entire time. A uh, yeah. a fecal disaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. A fatal deviation. Oh, it's a fatal. Yeah, it's a deviation into the. A fecal. A fecal. A fecal deviation. Oh my god. Thank you, Kate. That's exactly what I like meant. You know. All right. So on that note, we're gonna take a brief pause while we watch Disco Godfather. We'll be right back afterwards with our thoughts on the film. We'll be right back. Disco Godfather. Godfather of the Disco. Let's meet and greet the Disco Godfather. All right, all right, all right. Put your weight on it. Put your weight on it. Put your weight on it. All right, everybody out there, you 
got your mind on the wonder and your ass on the loose. Come on, get funky in here. Shoot the juice of the goose. From the north to the south, from coast to coast. Godfather here is going to give you the most. And that was Disco Godfather, a.k.a. the Avenging Disco Godfather. Wow. Put your weight on it! Wow. That was that was something. Wow. Sorry, that was that, intense. Uh, did that peak the levels? No, I, I've, I've correctly learned how to like just put you guys just under. We're just that loud. But we should point out, put your weight on it as in the credits was an original phrase by Rudy Ray Moore, and he uttered it 24 times in the film. He also says, keep your weight on it! Yes, keep your weight on it. Just to make sure it's down. It's like, put your weight on it. <laughs> it's down. Keep your weight on it. That it'll stay down. What it is, we don't know. And he put his weight on it for this performance. The, the performance, performance, he puts his whole weight on it. He Ooh. does not. Ooh, baby. Yeah, there was a lot of. He did a lot of pelvis thrusting in this in this film. That was his main dance move. But he just he just went all out. He was. Uh, He's letting his belly jiggle a little. He's start. like right in front of the camera. He's like, here it is. Here it is. My shirt's open. You're seeing everything. <laughs> He like for a for a fifty something year old man at the time. I think he like pulled it off pretty well. 
He, he, he's in shape for, yeah, uh, for yeah. a guy that age, Especially right? Especially in the 70s, like when all you're eating is steak and hamburgers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about the plot of this film. It opens up in the Blueberry Hill discotheque, where our disco godfather, who has retired from the police force and is now... You know, earning a living, running a disco club. Love that backstory. Yeah, and he, uh, his is nephew it, Bucky, comes to the club. His name is Tucker Williams. In case you're wondering yes, what Tucker. Disco Godfather's government mm-hmm. name is, yes, Uncle Tucker. Um, so he, his, his nephew Bucky, comes to the club, and there is what's what's the name of the like f- your f-ing face, Uncle Tucker. Jesus, sorry, I'm sorry. What is wrong with you? I'm gonna have to bleep that too. This is more work for me, Kit. All right, Kit. I'm the one holding this whole show together, guys. <laughs> it popped into my head. I, I couldn't oh, resist by the way, it. I gotta point this out. So last night I'm at the Trash Palace. This is the episode you'll never hear. <laughs> no. So, anyways, last night I'm at the Trash Palace and I uh, I see someone that like I've met a couple times. So I'm like, sorry, I know we met a couple times. My name's Graham. She's like, hi, my name's Lindsay. Uh, oh, you're the guy that does the podcast. And I was like, oh, my God. And, like, yeah, apparently uh, her husband, also named Graham, not me, uh, is friends with my friend Brandon Cox, long-term listener and hater of the podcast. Yeah, Brandon Cox doesn't even like our podcast, you I know, but bastard. He's, but, but he's promoting it, though, so I'm just like, oh, my oh, God. Oh, good for you. We love you, Brandon. Uh, bad Come on publicity the is good publicity, right? Or what's the, how does that go? No publicity is bad publicity? No. No, all publicity is good publicity, yeah. which doesn't, yeah. it's not no, actually it's true, not true, but... Not, no. Haters going hate, and But Brandon... Uh, we will watch a James Cameron film if you come on the pod. No, we will not. <laughs> His name is James, James Cameron, the bravest pioneer. No budget too steep, no seat too deep. Who's that? It's him, James Cameron. Systems are normal. You guys hearing the song okay up there? James Cameron, explorer of the sea. Yes, James, we'd hear the song. Descending to 1,000 feet. I don't see the bar yet. Looks like it must have sunk pretty low. With a dying thirst to be the first. Could it be? Yeah, it's him, James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it's what, funny. What? What are we going to do? We're wrong. True Lies is a deep cut. I like, here's the thing. James Cameron has made a couple films to do. Like, True Lies is one of them. The first Terminator... Uh, the Abyss? No. Maybe no. Nah. Aliens, come on. Aliens is, aliens eh. is good. Nah. Aliens is I, a I prefer classic. the original Alien and Alien sure, 3 over course. Aliens. Of course. But... And Resurrection. You prefer Alien 3 over Aliens? That's just contrarian. yeah. contrarianism. Also, come he'll on. He'll only come on if it's you, you like... You give a shout to Resurrection <laughs> over Aliens. He's, uh, just, so he's just a big fan of James Cameron, and I'm not. By the way, Endgame just overtook Titanic in the uh, North American box office. Yeah, James Cameron actually he posted something with yeah. a pretty lame kind of tweet. Because he like, he slammed the Avengers like early. It like took last the Avengers year. to sink my Titanic. I know, but he. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cute. But he he last year like slammed and he's like enough of these Marvel movies already enough of these big spectacles like we got to get back to making original movies like my Avatar two three four and five. <laughs> Everybody's making fun of his uh, IMDb list, but if you look at uh, James Cameron's page, it's. Uh, Avatar 2, 2021. Avatar 3, 2024. <laughs> Avatar 4, 2027. Oh and it goes God. all the way to, like, Avatar 6. Yeah, like, he's got more <laughs> movies coming out than Marvel does. And and uh, the thing that somebody's, uh, so many people have pointed out, like, mm-hmm. can you name Sigourney Weaver's character name from... No. From, can you name I, Sam Worthington's uh, character I name? I think it's Jake Sully. Maybe. Maybe. Or Jake Scully. Still haven't seen it. Good, don't. Can you take anything away from that film? Any one memorable scene from uh, from Avatar, aside from Unobtainium? I just remember, uh, uh, what's his face? Why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Giovanni Ribisi was playing Paul Reiser's character from Aliens. He, uh, I just remember him saying like, there's that one tree, but do you know what I see? A whole planet full of trees. <laughs> 
the genius writing of James Cameron. Anyway. You know what he can? There's Aquaman too. It's got his name on it. He just got to get Vinny Chase in the, in the lead role. No, 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 no. Jason, I was about to say Jason Manzukis. Uh, Jason Momoa. Jason Manzukis is Aquaman. <laughs> Phenomenal. No, no, Jason Momoa Goes is a good a Aquaman. Wildly different direction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shut up, jerks. No, what's up, jerks? Um, Jason Momoa is. Uh... Yeah, he was also in the Bad Batch, directed by uh, Anna Lily Annapore. Uh, I gotta see that film again. I'm a big fan of hers. I just caught a bit of uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night last night. And, uh, man, love that It's a good movie. film. Love it. Yeah. Um, okay, back to Disco Godfather. I think we just uh, were part of the way through the first scene. So, Bucky is given angel dust by a friend of his. And this causes him to freak out. Oh, and we know Bucky mm-hmm. is a good dancer because we saw him get on the floor. And yeah. just the dis- Disco Godfather was loving it. He just had some good moves, some good grooves. He um, put his weight on it. He did. Yeah, and- he did. He really did. And Bucky is an aspiring Bucky is an aspiring basketball player who is like st- headed straight for the NBA. Although they don't mention it by name because they don't want to get sued. He looks. Um, he looks for all you basketball heads listening to the post that Venn the diagram, <laughs> the the pod. Wow, <laughs> I've had two of these uh, these Robo hops and yeah, it, no, it's cool. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't the, hit me you, that hard. But... You know the LCBO? I call it the Elsp. The Elsp. The Elsp. Yeah, that's how you would pronounce that word. Oh, Elsp. Anyway, for you, no, uh, the Elcebo, the Lickbo, but um, for any of you basketball heads listening to the pod, uh, Bucky kind of looks like Anthony Davis, like a shorter version of Anthony Davis without the unibrow. What uh, what team does Anthony Davis play for? Uh, the uh, the Pelicans, but he demanded a trade last there's year, a team, and that didn't there's go a, over well. There's a basketball team named the Pelicans. The New Orleans Pelicans. They couldn't have come up with anything else. I know. No other animal. Nope. They were the New Orleans Hornets, but then but Charlotte, yeah, Charlotte, the Charlotte wanted that yeah. name back, so yeah, North they Carolina. became the Pelicans. Mm. Yeah. Wasps are too wimpy. <laughs> the New Orleans, they could have called them the New Orleans Saints. Bobcats. Bobcats. Anything. There, Bobcats was the name of the mm-hmm. Charlotte team. Anyway, we're getting way too yeah, deep yeah, into the weeds with the NBA so stuff. So Bucky is wigging he, out on the dance floor. Yeah, he smokes his, that PCP, comes back on the dance floor, and it is bad news. And just before that, his girlfriend reached out to mm-hmm. Uncle Tucker, which yeah, is She's worried, uncle. yeah. She runs, yeah. runs right across the dance Godfather. floor, causes right, a scene, right stops the, the music. Godfather and says, you know, Bucky's in trouble, and he says, call the ambulance, and... Where is he, and what has he had? Yeah, yeah. He asks that, doesn't he? Yeah, that's he. I gotta say. That's his big question. Yeah. Rudy Ray Moore certainly knows how to turn a phrase. What has he had? Um, turns out it's angel dust. So the ambulance comes. They have to strap him down because he thinks that the other dancers are demonic basketball players attempting to, I guess, like block his free throw. This is also where we first see the, I guess, the PCP. Oh, um, the, the, the witch was like or something. This, this yeah. old crone wielding a katana blade for mm-hmm. some reason. And we should point out that uh, she is actually, the makeup done for her, the special effects makeup is actually done by Jimmy Lynch, who also plays a pimp in the film known as Sweet Meat. This is true. Yep. He's mm-hmm. a multi-talented fella. Oh, yeah. he plays her and? No, no, he, no, pl- no he, he does the makeup for her. Oh, okay. Okay, that's what you said. And he also true. plays the pimp in the movie called Sweet, Sweet Meat. Meat. Sweet Meat. Um... So this then kick real at then all of a sudden Disco Godfather realizes, man, I'm out of touch. There's new drugs on the street. I thought I had my ear to the streets. Yeah, I thought I was on top of everything. Killing our children. 
That's what he said. This and is when he's wearing that that awesome double-breasted like sailor suit with the white tie and the giant and the nice, boutonniere. And the nice hat, the uh, the golf hat. Oh, I love oh, it. He's on point like every, every time you look at him. <laughs> he really is. Yeah. Except in the second half of the film where he's only wearing that green jumpsuit oh, yeah. and the green toque. That was called uh, We've Run Out of Wardrobe Money. <laughs> Um, so then he goes, uh, so the doctor that, that comes to get Bucky invites him to come to the, the state, the PCP unit that he's got set up. And this yeah, is where it's, he, it's this whole PCP unit. Yeah. Because PCP is, is ravaging the streets and it's causing irreparable, uh, irreparable, um, damage. neutron damage, neuron damage. People are going crazy. Yeah. People are losing their minds. Hear stories about women putting their babies yeah. in ovens and things like that. Yeah, yeah. People are just losing it. Yeah, they literally had they they did a recreation of a woman serving her four month old baby for Thanksgiving dinner, which is very delightful to watch. Unfortunately, well, not well. Yeah, was, she, yeah. She's got a doll or something that like that. She's clutching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we see there's a, a family there that wants to cure their daughter of her angel dust affliction by performing an exorcism, which goes on and on and yeah, on. For the rest of the film, yeah. we're treated to various Seen different montages of this exorcism People praying happening. around a, a woman and tied I to a bed. And I think Graham will agree, this is the worst part of the film. Yeah, it's it's painful to watch. The first time you're like, oh, this is an interesting okay, detour. Okay, yeah, they're, they're kind of and doing like exorcism was, uh, I guess, exorcism thing, was popular. Exor yeah, it, this was the same year that Exorcist 2 came out. And... Um, it was painful to sit through. Uh, yeah, the second and third time. It keeps on recurring yeah. too. It's like this Especially, isn't over. It's a, it's a big portion of the end of the film. And they're using their, you know, they're re reusing the same footage, the yeah. same kind of shots. Even though it's different days, no one changes their clothes. It's yeah, it's painful. Mm -hmm. So then we get to what do we get to next? So then Rudy Moore goes to the police department and tells them, hey. Just so you know, I'm going to be investigating the angel dust phenomenon as well. And they're all about they're it. Like, they're yeah, like, yeah, it sounds great right. to have a civilian on board. Because um, we're totally not doing it. Uh, his lieutenant is a white man with a very, very bad toupee and a yeah. very bad photo of his wife on his desk. Oh, my God. It's it's like one of those photos that actually come with the frame when you buy it at, uh, at <laughs> yeah, Walmart. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. But um, also, he's the... Uh, it's stiff competition for worst actor on the set, but the oh, chief of police might Lieutenant be... wins it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is really bad. Every single line he delivers is wooden. He even has this one one part after they've been like, okay, Disco Godfather, you can go and investigate this crime. We'll support you. Oh, right. When he picks up the phone to be like, he's coming, but he doesn't call anyone. He <laughs> so just looks he directly picks up at the, the camera. Phone, and then instead of dialing anyone, he just looks directly at the camera and says, he's coming. And he's coming with uh with all the he basically describes him as like a shaft type character. He can uh, he'll tip up every single uh you know he'll turn over plant, every every rock, rock in, the, in city. the city until he figures he, it out. He's like a Greek chorus. He's breaking the fourth wall here, <laughs> I, uh, completely I, unintentionally. But and then and then he hangs up the phone. Yeah, I I thought that scene was pretty actually cool <laughs> because he's kind of talking to the rest of the guys in the room, saying like. That's what's going to happen right now. I feel like he's not even talking to the rest we, of the guys in the room. we got some calls to make. I don't he's know why, but this is what's happening. And, you know. He's like, yeah, man, there's so much I going on. I'm going to pick up the phone. But you yeah. know what? I, I don't know, even have to make that an, call. an intentional and all that crap, but it worked. Yeah, it did. I, I have a feeling it was written as if he was about to pick up a phone and call someone, and then he just talks to himself for a moment. But instead, the actor decided, you know what? I'm going to look at the camera. Because <laughs> this is one of the five close-ups I get in this movie. I think the cameras were rolling. The director stepped out for a smoke mm. break. Nah, nah, nah. 
Anyways, so from that, there well, on... There was supposed to be another character in that scene. They couldn't block it right, so they're like, well, yeah. why don't you just look at the camera? Mm-hmm. So from there on, they try. They they decide to do. Um, their God Disco Godfather goes back to his club, where there is a reporter from the Sun, not the Toronto Sun or the Daily Sun in the UK. It's interesting. I was listening to a podcast from Britain that's recently. That's a weird scene too, because he's like, "You and your cigar smoking." No, no, he thought he, it'd be like a short man with a cigar or something, and oh, she I was see, like, "No, no, this is what modern reporters look like." I get uh, it. Yeah. I guess I missed some mm-hmm. of the dialogue. And so one. she was like, so do you think your disco dance show tonight will be good? And he's like, it will be very good. And one more thing. We must come together as a community to stop angel dust. And all of a sudden she's like, oh, you're about that. And he's like, yeah. And then this is when they launch the attack the whack or whack sure the attack. To, I will be sure to chop this down and alert the media. Yeah. It's called the Attack the Whack campaign, but they cannot get it straight in yeah. their speech. Everybody that like talks about it says it differently. It's, R- Rudy, it's Disco it's Godfather first says it's Attack the Whack. We gotta get rid of the whack because that's yeah. one of the names for the drug. Which but the then, doctor doesn't say. Yeah, but then the the woman is like, whack the attack. <laughs> we gotta whack the attack. And it's like, wait, what wait, is the is well, the angel dust the attack? That, and then that, that scene before their whole like pep rally or whatever, it zooms in on that flyer that they made and it says whack the attack. It, well the, the And it stays there for like a good thirty seconds. Behind them the and sign says it, attack the whack. Exactly. And then it zooms out into the whole like scene where they got the microphones up and they're gonna talk and stuff. And behind her it says Attack the whack. You really get the sense. And then while she was talking, she was saying, "Attack the whack, whack the attack." Ha ha. She even laughed about it. Yeah. With the, the whack the, attack. And, I, and, what was the what was the weird one? Attack the whack attack. Well, yeah. Then then uh, then a gentleman comes yeah. in. He's like, "We're gonna attack the whack attack." And it's yeah. like, "What is even going on anymore?" And I love how like, when the, <laughs> they were just tossing it around at that point. Yeah. You get the sense that people had read the script once and were, we're just, just desperately kind of, trying to remember their lines <laughs> while the cameras were rolling. But the best thing is when the doctor got up to speak and he was just like, "Angel dust goes by many names." Angel dust, PCP, angel, angel death, death. <laughs> the whack, and then no, he doesn't even say the whack. He just, and then he's like, and that's it. Like, <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a triumph of cinema. Like, you know what? It was all so subst- It was all substantial though. Like everything. Like well, everything was there to give you just enough. Okay, so we're 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 at the point of the plot where we're introduced to our villain, whose name is Stinger, Stinger who's like starting a basketball team of NBA rejects called the Stingrays. And Lillian really loved when he first goes into his office and he just smokes himself right into a plant. Yeah. So he has to he has to take a phone call in his office and like he just goes in and just wait, bang. Wait, wait, but it was before that though. That's okay. This is where he really got me. Remember, he, there's a bunch of guys around him and 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 asking him questions. I'm doing a press and conference. Yeah. And he's all uh, he's all cool or whatever. He's got it. And then his henchman or his little guard guy comes up to yeah, him. Yeah, his henchman from or bodyguard. And says, "Hey, boss, you, you got an important phone call or something." And and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, not now." And he's like, "All cool, still with the press." And then the guy comes back and he's like, and he whispers in his ear, "Yeah." And then he's to- he totally loses his marbles right then and there. He's he like, does oh not keep his cool. Go. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, enjoy yourselves. I gotta go. And like he just literally turns on a dime, goes like, and shit hits the fan. It's all over his face for like the next. Like I couldn't stop laughing every time I saw him after that. And when he ran into that plant, <laughs> he smokes. So he goes into his tiny office and he just smokes a plant on the way in, and then they leave it in the movie. <laughs> They're like, no, no time and for another no, take. No, like take one take is good. Or, like I just picture it being like Edward being like. You know what? That's reality. Every day he would have banged into that plant if he was hurrying in. It's so awkwardly placed. You just feel so sorry for that plant. Why is it there? 
Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, who is this is Stinger, Graham? Can you describe the character at all? What is he? He is, is he a about? respected businessman in the community. Yes, he is. Which is my favorite line in the whole movie, which he says at the end when he's like burning all of his PCP and all of his like paper, apparently all of his illicit paperwork. In a trash basket it, fire. Yeah, on his desk, right in front of his face. And he's like, I can't be caught. I'm a respected businessman in this community. <laughs> so, but we realize that the entire... very Ted Bundy moment. Yeah, you realize the uh, the plot of this film and this time And it's only taken me yeah. four times of watching it to figure it out. So Stinger's whole business is he's a... He's got like an off-brand mm-hmm. basketball league. Yeah, so he's... What he's doing is he bought a, ba- a small, a minor league basketball team that he wants to stack with the best players. But he's trying to figure out a way how to get the best players that would normally go to the NBA but don't make it there. So he is actually engineering it. So the whole point is Bucky is a sure shot for the NBA. However, he missed the playoffs of his junior or of his college league team that would surely get him signed to like become a first round draft pick or something. Yeah. And so what Stringer Stinger does is so he You want to call him Stringer Bell, call him the Stringer whole Bell yeah. <laughs> but he's like a worse Stringer Bell. Yeah, he's not very So <laughs> so Stinger gets one of yeah, yeah, yeah. So Stinger gets one of Bucky's friends. I think it's like Rodney or Rocky or something. Or the something. guy who's at the, uh, the Blueberry yeah. Hill at the yeah. start. Yeah, the guy yeah. that gives Bucky the initial. Because uh, like later on, when they finally like capture like some of the drug pushers, he's amongst them, and he tells the Disco Godfather, "Oh man, Stinger just wanted Bucky to play for his team. That's why I gave him that angel dust." And he's trying to derail his career as to derail a, his an career, and then put him on this like minor league team that Stringer is hoping to turn into like a successful basketball franchise. Apparently, it's a very convoluted. It's like every time I watch a movie like this, and I finally figure out the plot on the fourth time. It's like when I finally figured out the plot to the Miami Connection. I'm like. Oh my God, that is such a difficult way. He could have just broke his leg. Like, <laughs> he didn't need to like, get him strung out on angel dust for like a month. It's like, like, oh, that's what the Miami connection is. Yeah, it's all about. I, I can't get into it now because it's very common. We'll, we'll save we, it for we, our actual we, Miami we, connection yeah, we, episode. We should have a Miami connection episode. We will, we will. It'll be about four episodes away, maybe. We got um, some special guests for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people that like definitely are down with the Miami connection. Um,. Uh, where were we? Okay, so jumping back in time. So now Stinger knows that Disco Godfather's looking into it. So he dispatches um, some guys to like bug his phones. He goes in there, like, but Disco Godfather comes back from some sort of meeting and meets up with like his, I think it's girlfriend slash assistant or administrator. The and he, he she's like, oh, those repair men are in the the room, and he's like, what repair men? He's very did angry you call about. It. He's yeah, like, all of a sudden he. He's like, he's... Did you call them? And she's like, "I thought you did." And they b- burst in. I most certainly did not. And so he bursts in, and they're just like, "Oh, hey, Godfather, we're almost done." And he's like, "Bullshit!" And well, just starts really beating the crap out of them. He puts his weight on it. He really does. I love him. He puts his weight on yeah. on a guy's neck in this. Uh, well, in this he scene, punches actually. a guy in the yeah. face, and like it feels like he just punched a balloon full of blood on top of like, his face is just covered in blood he's like talk who sent you that who sent you a few times actually yeah just blood goes from except when characters get shot stupid SOB and... you stupid what SOB yeah who ta- sent you and then like the guy I want names <laughs> and then the other the other telephone repair man just like kind of like taps him in the back and knocks him out knocks out the disco godfather which just, is a very just, light tap yeah it kind of knocks him in the back of the head more of a gentle push and, and uh, I would love to try this in real life you're trying to deal with a bad guy you kind of hit him in the back of the head he just gets annoyed yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you just find the right spot 
It's yeah. the Vulcan. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, they probably yeah they got him good like right right at the <laughs> cry chops the back in the yeah, yeah that's right. So he Rudy Ray Moore is out. The two teleporter pyramid escape, and then Rudy Ray Moore wakes up a moment later when his girlfriend comes in and is like, "Oh, what happened?" He's like, "We got to find out who those guys were." And then Stringer orders the telephone repairman's Stinger. death. Stinger. Sorry. Stinger orders their death. It was like death. the fourth time he said Stringer. It's going to be all night long, guys. It's Idris Elba. Keep drinking. Very young um, Idris Elba. He's like four years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I kind of lose the plot for a little bit here because he does some other stuff. And then there's we get, a, we get there's a disco montage. show. Yeah. Well, the, the disco okay, dance I don't know show. what comes first. We're no, the, shaking the mon- people down. The, yeah. No, the montage comes after the disco dance show. So he does the disco dance show, which because is... the show must go on, right, guys? The show must go on. He's got a... Sh- he's, he's oh, got yes, this too. is where the attempted... Uh, whack? Uh, no, that's later on. That's not during that show, because remember, he's all of a sudden back in his sailor suit? Oh, that it's happens awkward, that night. awkward editing, yeah. So he does this disco show where there's roller disco, which, or sorry, roller uh, skating disco dancers, which makes me think this could almost belong... I mean, it's definitely roller disco adjacent because there is the infamous, like, and also all those films happened in 1979 as well. Roller Boogie, Skate Town USA, Xanadu. All your favorites. Which are, of course, my favorite. Yes, thank God it's Friday. Uh, yeah, it's, it could be con- included. My whole thing is that they are, it's my 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 fourth favorite sub-sub-sub-genre, the roller, roller disco. Ball? The roller disco sub-genre. Is Rollerball one of those? No, Rollerball preceded this, and it was okay. that was that really was there was no disco. That was a, a sport. Um, Roller a disc- death sport. Disploitation. Roller disco exploitation. Yeah, <laughs> very very long. Um, so where are we from there? What happens next? Um, I don't know. Let's just skip to the end. Oh, oh well, no, no, no. Okay, so we got. Uh, however, we get there. Then um, uh, what's uh, what's his face? The phone repair guy who gets away. He's like. Yeah, he, he figured us out right away. You got to take care of him. No, no, that's not stinger. him. That was the the undercover cop. So one of the cops. Oh, that's right. We find actually, Kilroy. Actually, and his name is Kilroy. Yeah. So Stinger kind of uh, looks like Keegan Michael Key. A little bit. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. With a, with yeah. like a fake fro attached. Yeah. To I the hope they, smile. Yeah. Especially his teeth or something or his look. He's got it. Yeah. So the so the undercover cop, um, or sorry, not undercover. The the uh, the corrupt mold, cop. The, mold, the corrupt yeah. cop is like taking money from Stinger and is. Uh, Feeding them information and also feeding disinformation to the cops and Disco Godfather. So then, I think now we get that montage where Disco Godfather is just going around shaking people well, down. I thought that happened after the attempted uh, murder. It did. Yeah, because uh, so so. Oh right. So then there's something. So then it goes. So there's he's another like, event. Yeah, you gotta you gotta send some hitmen and you gotta send some hitmen to kill the because, hitmen. Because yeah. So they order a hit and then all of a sudden he's like, you know what? He's better if we leave him alive. But we send hitmen. So put a hit on the hitmen. <laughs> So then the hitmen come to the club while Rudy Ray Moore is, is DJing. And his and, bodyguard is on it. Oh, yeah. like His bodyguard like spotted that guy a mile away. So Kicks the guns away. Kicks the guns away. two guys. But then two cops come in. Two cops that aren't really cops burst in and shoot the two attempted hitmen to death and then leave. And then the real cops show up and they're like, hey, what happened? These guys are dead. And... They I, don't I love... close the disco. No, they don't. It stays wide open. And another thing that I love uh, is... Uh, where, where does this the take use of place, freeze frame? Yeah, that too. At the Blueberry Hill Disco Tech. What city? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Why did it sound like we were in Boston back there? <laughs> the cops did I want a little yeah, Boston yeah sorry yeah, everything's the departed that, that's, to this guy that's, that's anytime there's police it's always <laughs> the departed it sounds sound like an old timey gangster I went to Chicago yeah. sorry yeah but um yeah my other favorite thing is there um 
the disco godfather notices one of yeah. the cops badges i think i can't remember it's he's 148. like 148 what does that mean it's like 143 yeah, i was like it's in my mind he's like waking up in cold sweats yeah, in just, his bed I can't, I can't get it out of my head yeah <laughs> Yeah, this is how Rudy Ray Moore reacts to everything. Like he, he reacts at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's like he's so. He's like those telephone are in the office. What? He oscillates between ten and eleven. His girlfriend's trying to make love to him. He's like, I can't get that angel dust out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> he literally woke up, woke up from sleep, just like slapping his forehead. It's like the blueprint of like La Chapelle skit. Oh, it's really definitely, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, it's so much, like, you can definitely see that Rudy you know Ray more influenced do, Tyrone. You know, if they ever reboot this, it should be Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Nicolas Cage no. is the disco godfather. That won't be problematic. No, 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 no. I love it, actually. It's he a bold casting that. choice. I he'll love just, it. He'll just... He'll just nail it. He's not going to be in blackface. He's, no, no, he's no, going to he be not. just, yeah. But also, no, Nicolas Cage would not do that at this point. No, it's just because when we think of... Uh, if you offered him the, enough, the, yeah. The, the, how consumed he is by everything, right? It's just so... Lillian, have you seen Mandy yet? No, I haven't. Damn, it's almost midnight. I was going to say we should watch it, but... A special double episode of Death by Video. <laughs> Disco Godfather and Mandy. 8 a.m. Mandy is great. It's we'll, so uh, good. Yeah. That's the full Nick Cage right yeah, there. Yeah. That's, that's nuclear cage. Yeah, um, yeah, right? yeah, he, yeah, he puts his weight on it. He does. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's mild for Nick Cage, to be honest. Like Latter day Nick yeah. Cage. Anyways, yeah, yeah, back yeah. to the film. So, where were we now? So, um, so then he does his bust the dust kind of montage. Yeah, so where he, he goes just... around the city, but he's like shaking people down. But every interaction, you're kind of confused by. Like, normally when they do a montage like this, it's very cut and dry, like, okay, this guy is getting, giving him this information, which leads him to this guy, which gives him other information. This one just seems like a bunch of random interactions with people. Sometimes he just has a pleasant conversation, and then that person writes something down, and they go on. Another point, like, he walks in, and there's, like, a bunch of people hanging out in a back alley, and he kind of, like, looks around, talks to some of them, and then leaves. He slaps then, that one guy around? He slaps the crap out of, like, one guy in a back alley. Although he doesn't, clearly does not slap the crap No, he's clearly, like, waving his hand in front of his face. <laughs> like... Oh, no, I'm slapping you. Uh. Come on, guys. He's dealing with some dangerous guys, so he's got to... The guy he's uh, hit the slapping, yeah. uh, hit he the... appears um, to be a little under the influence Hi. of, yes. He's on that PCP. On that PCP. So it's just... Yeah, it's just with the bottle. With the... Yeah. <laughs> the drunk. Yeah, just he like... just kind of pushes aside. <laughs> but this is this is Disco Godfather reasserting himself in the community. He's That's like, true. Yeah. He goes to the These old... are my people. These are my children. Yeah. I think a subplot of this film that was probably cut out was that he feels that he left the community to like, A, B... When he was a cop, he was on the street. He knew the people. And now that he's like kind of like... Kurt, like a... Walled himself off in his disco palace. Now he needs to get back and like re like re get in touch with the street, find out who's doing what and where they're doing it. And this leads us to one of my favorite scenes where he goes to what I believe is a brothel, but it's never quite clear. It's it's a fancy it's a fancy yeah. party place, and he meets that's where he meets Sweet Meat. And then there's, there's that, some pimp from Detroit, some pimp from New York, some pimp from Chicago. There's also that Bruce Lee motherfucker. Don't say the F word. Oh, yeah, the, the random guy who, like, not only does he act like Bruce Lee, but he also... He has, like, a mustache. He like also one of these, speaks... Like Fu Manchu, like, like, like mustache. Like he's dubbed from a kung fu movie. Yeah, it's weird. And he moves like it, too, and it's just bizarre. But he doesn't even, he doesn't even the fight. same build as well, yeah. He doesn't even fight, though. That's the thing. He has, so, like, a mini player's ball or something. A player hitter's ball? <laughs> yeah. The player hitter's ball. 
So, uh, uh we'll, did we get past the Sherman Eisen? Was Sherman, Sherman. Eisen? No. No, How's that's that later on. That's just during the fight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was just I think the spaced out song was playing. Spaced out. And then that becomes yeah, that's at the end of the movie too. Yeah, there's some good good songs on that soundtrack. I was very pleased because I thought for sure we're mishearing it. It can't be Shermanizing. And then <laughs> sure enough, I watched the end credits. credits. Shermanizing. Yep. Yeah. No apostrophe. No. Shermanism. Um but uh, it was spelled Shermanism. There was a Z in there. Um so then at the player haters ball. Uh, there, uh, a, there's a mound of cocaine on top of a Saturday Night Fever record, and uh, Disco Godfather's like second in command picks it up and says like, "Oh, it's a little time for a little one-on-one." And Disco Godfather's like, "What do you mean?" And he picks up the record, takes the hat off of it to show him like, "Oh, there's cocaine on this record." And Disco Godfather's like, "Oh yeah, one-on-one," and then he blows the cocaine out. It lands on the carpet, and everyone dives to go for it. And then he leaves. I think you neglected to mention that record is the Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Fever, Fever soundtrack. Ah, yep. uh, yeah, that's yeah. how he gets it in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like diegetic use of the music of Saturday Night Fever. Interesting. Um, I don't think they actually used any music from. It. I think it was just sort of. Like I thought reference. you said it was. No, no, no. It was oh. just. A, it was just the the. It was just the the actual soundtrack, the physical cut soundtrack. Listening to yeah. 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 Uh, during this kind of montage, he's kind of figuring out, and he's kind of trying to put his ear back to the ground. He goes mm-hmm. to this guy's Bob's house, Bob. Oh, that's right. And he's like, "Where's your dog at, Bob? Where's Sheila? I love no, Sheila." No, no. So Bob, Bob, <laughs> come on, Sheila, where are you? <laughs> and and Bob's just like, "Sheila ran away years ago." No, Sheila's dead. Sheila's oh, Sheila's dead. Yeah. You guys, you guys. Full disclosure, you guys had to clue me in that he was talking about a dog. I thought it was like a Monica Lewinsky situation. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Because he thought he thinks the dog is under the desk. Yeah, okay. he's like, come here, come on, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. So she Bob, she but, no, been but the thing is, Bob is actually, he, Bob is the guy that sets him on the, the montage because Bob is the guy that says, you don't come around here no more, you don't know your people anymore because Bob is an educator in the black community. He teaches black history um, yeah, going back and back and back. School. He's got a little schoolroom in like some high rise, and he basically explains. I'm guessing the history of slavery um, dating back to Africa, to like when the tribes were were initially captured in Africa for the slave trade. And Bob winds up dead later on, which again spurs on. Wait, but before that, you forgot that the Godfather gives him a little dog. Yeah, it's, kind, dog. it's kind of a weird scene because there's no payoff. You don't see. You just see Godfather pull up, but you don't even see the building he's pulling up in front of. He just has a little dog. He's like, Bob's gonna be so happy with you, and then gets out like, of the car. Where, where did he get this dog for one? Hard <laughs> cut. It it, it kind of doesn't matter, but he gives him a dog, and then you the dog gets killed or something. Well, later then, later on, yeah. And then the, yeah. you hear about this like, oh, thanks a lot, uh, Tucker. Thanks a lot for the dog. But no, here's the thing. It was a hard cut. This is, yeah. So this is the hard. This is the hard cut scene. So he give, he says, the, "I'm gonna the, give this the dog." Cowboy guy. Yeah, yeah. Hang on. Okay, we got it. Well, let's get back on track. So the hard Remember, cut. We're dealing with PCP here. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the end of the, this is the. We all, we all took Angel Dust for this uh, yeah, for this yeah. recording. No, we did not. Well, I guess Graham didn't. No. But, uh, yeah. So, anyways, this is the <coughs> this is post montage. He says he's gonna give the dog to Bob. Then it's a hard cut to Rudy Moore in bed with his girlfriend. That's where he wakes up angry about the angel dust. Slapping his head. Slapping his head. Then they try to engage in some lovemaking, but there's a knock at the door, and she says, leave it. And he's like, no, i got to answer the door. So he gets up, goes to answer it, and that's where we see the dog is nailed to the door. Yes. He then, Rudy Moore then puts on his green jogging suit. This and is runs, when he wears, this is for the rest, for the of, the rest movie, of the movie, he's wearing the green jogging this, suit. So 
With he, the green toque. Yeah, he, he runs to <clears throat> to Bob's, Bob's house, house yeah. where Bob is dead in his bed. And now... They just spend the rest of the night at Bob's house. Yeah, well, then the police realize, so they, they decide to finally once and for all raid a place. And they raid a place, but there's no angel dust there. And the disco godfather says, I know, there's got to be someone on the inside. And the lieutenant's like, okay, we got to get hard proof. So they put out a fake raid down the pipeline to ever to whoever they suspect, which is um, the Keegan-Michael Key person. Is that right? Kilroy. That's Kilroy. Yeah. Kilroy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they put out the, the word to Kilroy that, that hey, we're going to do the raid tonight, not, not the day after. And that's when they know that Kilroy is the, under, is the mole. And Kilroy, learning that, now knowing that they know, commits suicide. Yep. Really brutally, too. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, we have to, like, yeah. we, get, we get a few scenes where the they're like, we're not going to show boobs. We are going to show boobs through mesh, though. That's as, yeah. that's as far as we're going to go. So it's a, it's a weird excuse for that, because his wife kind of gets up in her, uh, her nightie, which you can see through. And she goes to the bathroom. I didn't notice that, kid. Oh, well, I, I noticed it. Okay. okay. I'm glad the I wasn't the only one. over there on the couch. All right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she uh, she finds him in the uh, the bathroom. There he is. He's killed himself. Mm-hmm. So then... Sliced himself up. Yeah. This is when uh, Stinger knows that, you know, things are closing in. This is And actually, it's after this that Rudy Ray Moore talks to the drug dealer that gave... Um, Bucky the angel dust and this is when he puts it all together it's Stinger that guy he's trying to like take down basketball players with angel dust so that they will sign to his minor league team so that he can then turn into a a, finan- like a successful basketball franchise again very, ludicrousness very convoluted yes <laughs> the very roundabout he just should have stuck to selling drugs um, but it was his hubris that took him down so at this point um, uh, Disco Godfather decides to go back to his club and he goes there and he runs into this cowboy and I'm not speaking metaphorically I'm speaking the guy had a hat a holster and a holster with a six shooter in it pretty it, sure he's wearing spurs on those boots too he takes the Disco Godfather hostage they drive to Stinger's play, pad I guess like a drug factory and at this point uh, Disco Godfather's like men are like following in a car and the cowboy's like you better wave them off or else I'm gonna blow your head off so Disco Godfather tells him to go back. They go back. Bucky finally gets out of the hospital. He's right as rain again. He's and wearing a silver jacket with no, no shirt because no he's shirt. ready to awesome. take care of business. Disco Godfather gets led down. Disco Godfather beats up the cowboy. Well, you're you're so the I guess I don't know exactly why they wanted uh, him him not dead. So I guess they could torture him. But the first thing he does is he puts uh, uh, Disco Godfather up against a wall and he gets out his whip. Like yeah. Indiana Jones, and he starts whipping him. Well, I think this was this was a reference to uh, slave owners whipping slaves. Yeah, yeah, I, I assume. Yep. But um, but Disco Godfather grabs the whip and reels the guy in, with, hitting him against the wall, which a like, wooden fence, a wooden fence, and which, he just spits blood out yeah, of his mouth he spits for some like reason. A full six liters of like blood, like his lungs hit, collapsed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Disco Godfather punches his face into the ground. And now at this point, Disco Godfather has been seen by Stinger's cameras. And Stinger orders his henchmen. This is where the movie kind of becomes like a, a side-scrolling beat-em-up. There are, we reference Double Dragon. Yeah, the, um, um, oh, damn it. Yeah, because there's that one of the end bosses. sumo style. Yeah. Uh, so a whole bunch of guys come out to fight Disco Godfather. And then some guy who's jogging along is like, hey, what's going on, man? And Disco Godfather's like, they're selling angel dust. And he's like, angel dust? 
and he just jumps into the fight and starts fighting alongside Disco Godfather. Yeah, there's there's a guy that comes out of the woodwork, and he I swear a to God, he looks bald man. He looks like a Bobo from uh, Double Dragon. If you've played that mm -hmm. one, he's the big bald villain that with the mustache. Through the wall, yeah. and he's even wearing blue pants. I think he was a direct inspiration. <laughs> he might have been. And so, anyways, Disco Godfather fights his way into the building, and this is coming on strong. If you ain't a, if you ain't hit a boogie, take your ass on home. That's a line from Sorry, Disco that's Godfather. A that took me. The spirit of the boogie took me. Yeah. So Disco. You put your weight on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Bucky and Disco Godfather's uh, men are on their way to the factory. They start fighting guys as well. Disco Godfather fights his way inside. This is when he encounters what's his name? Doomsday. Uh, Doomsday, who's wearing a like chainmail onesie. A, a chain. It's a it's a chainmail like undershirt, like a like a wife beater. Like a vest, they call yeah. him. Uh, but he's also got a chainmail chain loincloth yeah. <laughs> going on there. Which, and so, like, he actually, the Disco Godfather can't overcome this guy. Uh, he's never been beaten. Yeah. Uh, we're informed by Stringer, who kind of pokes his head Stinger, in. Stinger, you mean? Stinger, yep. Yeah. Yep, Stinger's I mean. communicating over the intercom the whole time, too. Godfather just kicked this guy in the, in the balls? That comes later, so they, the, he, um... And the intercom so, is hooked up to a guitar amp. Yeah, we noticed that. Um... As, so, as you do. Yeah, so so Disco Godfather, um, Doomsday, chains him, ties him up in a chair and puts a gas mask on him, feeding him PCP so that he'll start freaking out. So Disco yeah. Godfather kicks him in the balls and then decides, I'm going to choke you with my feet unless you let me go. Um, he does. Yeah, it, it's he amazing. Pulls... Disco Godfather, with all his limbs uh, free, could not beat this man. But when he's tied to a he's chair, like, just kick him in the balls. <laughs> just, just kick him in. the one thing I didn't think of. That's why he's wearing that chainmail cod piece because he knows that's his sort <laughs> that, weakness. That's, that's his Achilles he's heel. Like, it's like if I bump into a yeah, he's like if he bumps into a desk, he's out for the day. Like that's it. So, so Disco Godfather <laughs> is now has this, the PCP string, so he snaps the rope that's holding his hands, and this is when things get crazy. Things get wild from here, folks. So the, um, the cross, crone with the katana blade yeah, comes shows up. So yeah. Disco Godfather starts having horrendous hallucinations, which is crosscut with yet an, uh, the third oh my God, it's exorcism the that just goes on and on and on. And we see so much nightmare fuel here. There's the PCP crone. We see Disco Godfather's mother showing up for some reason. And, he, and remember the the basketball dudes with the red yeah, eyes. They show up too, yep. and that's like not even his his like hallucinations. That was Bucky's. <laughs> yeah, he's experiencing flashbacks. Flashbacks into other people's hallucinations somehow. Uh, it's some strong stuff. That's some good stuff they're selling. Yeah. The stringer stringer's got the goods. Yeah, if only they could get their quality control down to avoid so many freakouts. So Disco Godfather at this point encounters. So at this point. Stinger has a talk with his wife who asks him and she's like, what have you done? And he's like, how do you think we lived in that big old house with this all the them clothes and those dance lessons? It's the first time we're meeting Stinger's wife. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it was the best thing everyone like it was like your those how the house those cars. How do you think we afforded those cars? How do you think we afforded those clothes? How do you think we afforded those dance lessons? I'm like dance lessons. When where did this plot this, come from? She's probably like one of the dancers at the or wants to be yeah. blueberry thing. It was probably a whole deleted scene type thing. Thanks. I think this is right yeah. after he's burning his evidence. When he's like saying that he's a respected businessman in this community. Um, so now uh, Stinger shoves his wife aside and he encounters Disco Godfather and Disco Godfather thinks that. Stinger is his mother, so he starts choking him, screaming, You are not my mama! You, you are, are not, not my mama. mama! 
And this is when Bucky and the other dudes, like, and the police show up finally. They start, like... Come over. Lieutenant, come over. Lieutenant Toupe. Well, Lieutenant yeah. Toupe, really. Yes. <laughs> but his Sorry. Toupe has Toupé. a comb over. I don't get it. Yeah. It's very strange. So, Lieutenant Toupe comb over. Um, he, <laughs> He's French. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, like, Bay Como. Um, he shows up and... Um, you guys are so mean. We're not mean, Lillian. <laughs> All right. Um, so at this point, ugh, they start handcuffing everybody, and finally Bucky gets to, to Disco, and he's like, Uncle Tucker, it's me, it's Bucky. And he's like, Bucky, when did you get out of the hospital? And Bucky's like, today. And Disco... It, and, Sorry. <laughs> and so it ends with the Disco Godfather having a big freakout it's cut. It's wild, yeah. And it just ends, cut to credits... Like, so we don't know, did the exorcism work? Did Disco Godfather ever get over his PCP? We yeah, don't know. The, the, the last words, and I'm going to do my Disco Godfather impression. I yeah. hope it's not terrible. No, go ahead. Go but for it's, it. Uh, it's like, you're not my mother. You can't take me away. There's nothing wrong with me. Freeze frame. Credits. <laughs> yeah, because Bucky's yeah. insisting, like, yeah, you're freaking out on PCP. <laughs> yeah, like, he's like, no, He's no, in complete not. denial, yeah. yeah. I'm fine. This 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 witch just keeps coming out of the walls at me, and it's kind of sad because the whole movie is trying yeah. to protect his community from this terrible and then thing. He gets taken down by it. Yeah, he gets he martyrs himself. He he. Yes, and and that was the Disco Godfather, the sad ballad of of. But luckily, he didn't get that you know lethal lethal dose that would have had him really under right. It'd be like yeah. tragic, like Disco Godfather Two, and he's just hooked on PCP. Yeah. He's living on the streets. It's just. It'd be oof. great if Disco Godfather Two was him, like coming out of a coma in 1988, and just being like, "I gotta get back to the club." <laughs> Disco's dead. <laughs> Not anymore. Like, oh my God, can they please? Oh yeah, we we yeah. somehow should make that happen. I, don't I know feel how. it would be very inappropriate if I wrote God- Disco Godfather Two. Um. Yeah. Although we did find out that Rudy Ray Moore's biographer is like the whitest white guy that ever whited. That's like a metal suit. It's like a metal bar in 1988. Yeah. And like. he's like trying to get these metal heads like, come on, I know you're all into this Motley crew, but now let's get into some Motley disco. Um, <laughs> this would be a great movie, actually. I want to see this movie. <laughs> disco Godfather 2. This time. It's pers. It's, pers- no. it's I can't. Well, it's it's not even really a drug it, no. plot. It's just like him trying to bring back disco in the late eighties. No, now everyone's into heroin. Yeah. And he's like, heroin. Uh, PCP was bad. Yeah. Yeah. We're all doing bad impersonations of Rudy Ray Moore. By the way, Rudy Ray Moore passed away in two thousand and eight. So R.I.P. Rudy Ray Moore. Aww. He was, I think, seventy years old because he was born in nineteen twenty-seven. Yeah. So yeah, God, God bless him. Yeah, he uh, yeah. achieved fame late. He's one yeah. of these uh, late bloomers when it comes it was, to that. It was video that really helped. It yeah. was like when his films got released to video and then DVD in the early 2000s by Xenon Pictures. And now all of his films have been restored and properly framed because the big joke about Dolomite and Disco Godfather was that there were boom mics and Sony shots. But the thing is, they were shot in 16 millimeter and then they were matted down to widescreen. Even like watching this, there'd mm-hmm. be some weird edits. It's like when when the yeah. uh, when the interviewer was talking to him. Yeah. And then you see his like reaction shot, but then he's about to say something. And they cut away. And then they cut away and he doesn't say anything. And then yeah. they go back to that same shot and then he says what he was going to say. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that's a bad. Edit. It's clear that they just didn't have enough pad, like enough time for yeah. editing. But the, the thing is. They didn't get those insert shots. Yeah, like now those the films look really, really better because on the DVDs that I have. Although they weren't leaving coffee cups no, in the end. No. No, no, not like Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> but what I was going to say is, um, in the DVDs I have, they're open mat, so it's it's a square image, and you see the boom mics in most shots, but that's just because 
they were never meant to be seen that way. So for a long time, it was like, man, these these cheap slapdash movies. But it's like, no, they shot that knowing they were gonna mat, they were gonna block out those portions of the frame for the widescreen release. Ah. So it's not as bad as people think. And also, like, this is a beautiful restoration. Like the first time I saw this, I almost bur- I, I couldn't stop laughing because you put like Vinegar Syndrome did a better restoration of this film than 20th Century Fox did for James Cameron's Aliens. <laughs> Because, like, when I watch the Aliens disc, it's... I'm sure you told uh, Brandon Cox about that. No, 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 no. You should, though. You should tell him. No, I don't want to. Um, but anyways... Oh, is all the hell we're going to No. Maybe no. now that tw- Disney owns 20th Century Fox, they'll get it right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Anyway... Or just lock it in the vault forever. But yeah. you, were, you were saying the restoration is almost, it's like, too good. Like, you were saying, uh, you, you realize how few people are actually, actually in, in this the disco, disco Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in, the, in, the, in the, the cruddy VHS. Yeah, you're like, oh, man, that disco's packed. And now you're like, man, there's, like, ten people there. <laughs> but you know what? That's okay. It's okay. So, that... That was Disco Godfather. So, guys, I, I'm really excited about our Disco Godfather sequel. But anyways, um, <laughs> let's let's do final thoughts. Phil, what are your final thoughts on Rudy Ray Moore's The Avenging Disco Godfather? It's even more fun the second time around. Nice. Yeah. Anything else? It It's fun. It's zonked out. It's inept in all the right ways. Beautiful. Kit, what are your final thoughts on Disco Godfather? Well, you know, it put some soul in my soul and some dip in my hip. <laughs> Another Rudy Mark quote. He just, I like I like when he's like mm-hmm. emceeing, like he's like this uh, guru of the disco and he, he's just like calling out almost, people. And it's like, almost proto-rap because he's, he's, he's not really singing. He's saying the rhyming words over a disco beat. It's, it's pretty sweet. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I liked the first time I saw it. This, this is fun as well. I mean, it's just one mm-hmm. of those kind of um, pleasures. It's mm-hmm. just fun to watch. It is a fun movie. Well, it is proto-rap. Like, Rudy Ray Moore was a huge influence on Snoop. Oh, totally. Doggy yeah, Dog. yeah, yeah. Yeah. No doubt, and Old Dirty Bastard, as we I discussed. I definitely think yeah. the character of the heroic black pimp, like, kind of originated with Dolomite in 1975. Um, Lillian, what are your final thoughts on Disco Godfather? Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, it was good. I really loved... What was his name? Is this Randy? Rudy? Rudy? Is this your first Rudy Ray Moore movie, Lil? Uh, probably. probably. I, I, what, he released like eight films, I think. Yeah. I, there wasn't that many, but... Probably, yeah. And uh, I loved uh, I loved his performance. And the movie was good. Like I was saying to you guys, it's probably one... I think everybody in high school should probably watch this if they're going to mm-hmm. focus on staying away from drugs and stuff like that. Um, he was really serious about... He was really like upset that he didn't know that this was going on, thinking he's in touch with the community and all that. And you know, it's funny we were watching the um, we were watching the commentary with Rudy Ray Moore, and yeah. he, he talks about he's like this this is the film that ruined my career because well here's the thing I also and think, one of the one yeah. of the things he cites as he's talking about it later on he's like the strong anti drug message probably killed it they people didn't want to see it. Well, that's the thing is like at, he thinks they were too point, they were sermonizing they were preaching too much. But my whole thing is that they. By the time he made this, like black exploitation was dying. Yeah, off I think he would. Have I think his career was gonna die anyway, regardless of what he made. But the thing <laughs> is, like, because early on he had, like, from seventy five to nineteen seventy seven, he had 
uh, Dolomite, Dolomite 2, The Human Tornado, Petey Wheatstraw. Like three movies right in a row. Dolomite bang, bang, go bang. to Hollywood too? Dolomite and Hollywood. I don't think those were real. I think those those were like retitled like other ah, stuff. Okay. Anyways, boom, boom, boom. In two years, he had three movies that all did well. And then all of a sudden, okay, we're going to try and appeal to a wider audience. We're going to make a, a PG movie. As we saw in the trailer for The Human Tornado, his other films were full of curse words and boobs and what looked like non-consensual sex Ad- adult um, situations folks. yeah all Heavy over in the, the uh, dolomite films and so with this film it's very i don't want to say tame because it's not a tame movie at all but it's very much like treading by like he's you know a, a good character in the community he's always smiling he's, and he has like yeah. yeah and he still has he still kicks ass he still lays some like great rhymes but he yeah it's it's a shame that he sees it this way because out of the early films that he's done i've seen uh, Dolomite, Human Tornado, I haven't seen P.D. Wheatstraw. I believe this one, for me, is my favorite because it's so much more than like, okay, he's a pimp and he's got a, his hose and he goes around and slaps people around <laughs> yeah, and he gets laid. Those are the plots and that's, of the that's uh, Dolomite the movie. Films, That's the yeah. entire movie. He's a pimp with hose who ki- who beats people up. Well, he also, like, he solves crimes. Yeah, which yeah. doesn't make any sense. Because in Dolomite, he gets released from jail because the police are like, all right, we're going to let you out because you can solve this crime. <laughs> You're close to the streets, like, Dolomite. Wait, this makes no sense. Why would that be? like, do, why, No. But Disco Godfather makes total sense because he, he's an ex-cop. <laughs> disco. Way. Yeah. I'm sure Charles Bronson watched Dolomite. He's like, yeah, I can do that. I love my Charles Bronson. Bronson. He's Too bad so good. Bronson and uh, Rudy Ray Moore couldn't have been in a film. It would have been great. Like uh, Death Wish meets Disco Godfather. Hell yeah. Disco wish. <laughs> I hear you got a problem with angel dust. Well, my friend Colt 45 here says we can take care of it. <laughs> Just to Chuck Bronson killing everybody yeah. on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. The whole disco is full of, <laughs> full of PCP doers. I got this. <laughs> It'd be terrible. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, Rudy Ray Moore did attempt to come back in the, either the late '90s or early 2000s. I can't really. I don't have the information at my fingertips. Where he tried to do like the return of Dolomite, it didn't really do well. Because uh, yeah, it, it took he off was a little also, with, uh, with the late '90s rap yeah. was kind of referencing oh, totally. Dolomite a lot. So he kind of had. Anytime a you saw anything with ODB, there was definitely references ODB to, or to Dolomite. Dog, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and my final thoughts are: I really enjoy this film. I think it's funny. I think it actually does have a positive message at the end of the day. Because like, who wants to do PCP anymore? Like that looks terrifying. It's kind of like with try. I almost I mentioned train spotting with heroin. It's like train spotting does not make heroin look gra- glamorous whatsoever, and this film definitely makes PCP look like the devil's drug because you go to hell in your mind. Like Requiem for a Dream is basically a anti-drug movie, essentially. Yeah, that's same true. Kind of thing. Yeah. It's like look what happened to everybody. They all got screwed up. Yeah. Thanks a lot, heroin. Yeah, and we should only do good drugs. drugs like you know, like uh, weed and booze. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Good drugs. Good drugs. <laughs> life. Get high on life. Yeah. Get high on Jesus, folks. Choose life. Um, all right. So we're going to start a director's series with our next episode. And it's a director that I I have grown up with quite a bit. I first saw his films over 20 years ago, back in 1998, I think, is when I saw my first film of so, his. So we are doing James Cameron. No. <laughs> we are going to the far-off land of Italy. And we oh, are God. examining the. We're going to examine four films by Lucio Fulci. Oh, I know where this is going. One of my favorite Italian directors. And we're going to kick off because I'm like, we've seen some not good zombie films so far. Like after after watching Zombies at the beginning, that was a bad I was like, film, that was a folks. bad movie. I'm like, we need to watch a good zombie movie. Well, so next month or next month, next week, 
we are going to watch Lucio Fulci's 1979 zombie gore masterpiece, Zombie, a.k.a. Zombie 2, a.k.a. Zombie Flesh Eaters. Zombie sans E. Yeah, no, yeah, Zombie. Zombie. Um, no, but it's Zombie with an E in North America. Okay. Zombie 2 in Italy and Germany and France. And yeah, so it's Lucio Fulci. It's a great score by Fabio Frizzi, um, starring Ian McCullough and uh, Tisa Farrow, Mia Farrow's sister, and Al Kiver, um, and uh, Richard uh, Mark, Mark. He was in the original Haunting back in the 50s or 60s. Anyways, oh, it's, it's, the, yeah. the guy with the mustache? Uh, maybe he doesn't have a mustache in this movie though. But uh, it's it's a it's a really good film. I really like it. I think you guys will pretty enjoy much it. has to be the guy because the other guy is a uh, friggin' Ian McCullough. No, no, in the in the original Haunting. I don't know. There, there's two men. It's one of them. One of them is um. Twin Peaks guy. Why can't I? Uh, Tamblin, Russ Tamblin. Oh yeah, it's the other guy. It's the guy with the mustache. <laughs> So there are two Ian McCulloughs. There's, there's Ian McCullough from Echo and the Bunnyman, and I guess this is actor Ian Oh, this is actor Ian McCullough. Or maybe I'm getting his name Maybe out. they're the same person. Anyways, it's going to be an awesome... I can't wait to show you guys. It's one of my favorite films. I just got the remastered Blu-ray. Then we're going to go on and do uh, some more Lucio Fulci. We're going to have Matt Quisenberry, uh, a long-term supporter of our podcast. He's going to come hey, on hey. to do one of one of the episodes. Not zombie, but like a later one. And uh, um, yeah, everybody should check out Matt, Matt Quisenberry's uh, yeah, project. He does, yeah, he uh, does The Nerd Project. He has a bunch of podcasts with that The Nerd Project. The project. They did a movie podcast for a while where they tried to watch movies and comment on it live. Um, I think they did Messiah of Evil as their first one. And they've done, um, they do Nerd News Weekly right now. So check out uh, The Nerd Project on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, wherever you get your social media. Uh, be sure to like us on Facebook, share and subscribe, all that crap, blah, blah, blah. Give us a rating, give us a, give us a hello, how you doing? So for Death by Video. I've been Phil. I've been Kit. Been Mo. And I'm still Graham saying, please be sure to rewind. We will see you next time. Keep watching amazing movies. Good. Put some weight on it. Put some and weight put on it. Put your weight on it. Good night. Oh.